namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo. Hi everyone, how are you doing? I hope you're in good health, safe. I wanted to just say something briefly about study. Um, and by the way, I so appreciate those of you who, because it takes a certain amount of courage to ask questions in a public forum, like in the comments on YouTube. It takes a certain amount of courage just to email me and ask me a question, or not just me, but anyone, right? Um, because you're, you're offering a vulnerability. You're saying, uh, I'm not sure, or I don't know, or even just, what do you think? Uh, and thank you. Thank you for making that effort. It is courageous, and I want to laud you for it. At the same time, if you're keeping yourself from doing it, why? Why are you doing that? Why are you handicapping yourself? You should be taking every obstacle out of your way. And if somebody can offer information that either helps you come to an insight or that you can discard and go, nope, that's not it for me, that just helps you hone your understanding, right? Your confidence to, to either know that what you don't know is something you need to understand or to know that what you do know is solid. Whatever moves you forward and keeps your practice strong is essential. This is why study is such a big part of uh, certainly Nietzsche's doctrine. Yeah, Look at Nietzsche's life, which we're to emulate. He was quite a scholar. He read everything and he quotes everything, not just the lotus, right? So I wanted to share an anecdote with you because I think uh, in some form we all kind of go through this. Uh, the groups and organizations I got involved with um, early on after I took my vows, there was always this sense that I know there's great answers here. I'm, I've studied lots of different philosophies, religions, from, from Kabbalah to, uh, uh, to Gurdjieff to uh, just was all over the map. You know, even in my youth, uh, uh, Toller was big and uh, all sorts of... Anyway, I had been exposed to Buddhism from a very young age, but it took a long time for me to circle back around to it. And... Um, I knew, I knew that Buddhism had the answers I was looking for, had the tools I was looking for, had the insights I was looking for. Of course, they're all in ourselves. But when you start, you're, you're kind of dependent, yeah? And every time I would hear a quote-unquote leader speak or somebody who was a senior in the organizations, they would say some things and I would go, yep, I get that. Yes, that's empowering. Thank you. And then they would say something, and I go, "Man, what? That doesn't. It doesn't mesh. It's like, here's our Buddhist practice. Here's what Shakyamuni taught us. Here's what Nichiren's saying. And all of a sudden, bing, where are you going with that? That's not in here. I just knew it. I didn't know it scholastically, scholar. I didn't know it academically, but it just." You know, it didn't sound, it's like hearing a, you're playing the piano and you're going, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then it's like, eh, <laughs> what? <laughs> it doesn't belong. But 
I didn't have the depth of understanding to be able to identify whether that was because I didn't really understand. Was there something new I need? Maybe it's me, right? We do this all the time, doubt. And I would ask questions, and far too often, the, even from temple, I would go to the temple to ask the senior monk there. And the answer was, well, yes, I know, ultimately, that's... But give me some relatable human information that that at least will lead my mind to Don't just look at me with a smile and go, Man, that used to piss me off. <laughs> anyway, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you're like me, but... Sometimes the the rhetoric start, starts to sound just like rhetoric instead of genuine human-to-human -human communication, which is what the Sangha is about. So, um, my anecdote is this. I started throwing away the the fence posts, the, the, the walls that the organizations were putting up, because you can see them pretty clearly, pretty quickly. And I thought, no, I'm not just reading the Lotus Sutra. In fact, there's a lot of different uh, uh, translations of the Lotus Sutra. Let me look around a little bit. And that started to open my eyes. And then I got fascinated. I thought, isn't it amazing how many different ways there are of saying the same thing? Amongst scholars. That got me curious. So I started going to university libraries, their religious studies libraries, and finding more out more about Nietzsche and his... Uh, senior uh, disciple monks, yes? And what path did they go? Where did they all go? What, what, What's happening with that? Where's the schools from? Found out a lot about Minobu versus Fuji and these characters and so forth. Wow, that's fascinating. What do you mean the Daigohanzum didn't appear till 300 years after Nietzsche was gone? Uh, uh, what? Um, so that's not authentic? Oh, wow. Talk about doubts, right? That wasn't doubt anymore. That was facts from scientific research. And I thought, oh, this is making me, my confidence crumble in the avenue of the teachers that I've had circling around me. And I started having a lot of questions. But that's a different story. In the meantime, what I discovered was doing my own research was incredibly insightful it was opening up making me more confident in my practice which is the point and then I started reading other sutras and uh, I would read what was the first other sutra I read I read the Virmalakirti the Langavatara I read the Surangama I read I read the old new uh, I read Hinayana stuff the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which, oof, that's a fantasy. Um, just all kinds of things. And uh, I happened upon the perfection of wisdom. And I thought, well, that, that title seemed appealing, <laughs> right? <laughs> if anything's going to have. And I, I started reading the different collections of the uh, Prajnaparamita and the, uh, the perfection of wisdom. Kanzi is a great expert in uh, I think there's one in 80, what is it? 8,000 lines and an 80,000 lines. There's a long and a short one. And I started diving into those and I thought, 
oh, this is really making sense to me. This is where my head was at. And uh, the more I read of it, I thought, wow. And, and it's like almost chapter by chapter, I, I would go back to the Lotus Sutra. I go, I understand what that little word drop or that name drop means now. The Lotus Sutra started to grow in its complexity and its fullness for me. And I thought, how can you read the Lotus Sutra without knowing all this stuff first? I mean, it was blowing me away. Even to the point where when I read some of these other sutras, I thought, well, this is it. And then I'd have to remind myself, because you get excited, right? And I would have to remind myself, well, I read this so that I could understand the, the Lotus Sutra better. Because you can go down a rabbit hole, right? You can go, wow, Lankavatara, that's everything. And then pretty soon, you're sloughing off your, your practice, your Lotus Sutra Buddhism practice, your Lotus practice, your Nichiren practice. Because you're so enamored with the insights you've got, chewing on a whole lot of good stuff here, you can start to become a Lankavatara Buddhist, right? Which is not the goal. Um, but that's okay. We all work differently. I had to stay in that world for a while. And that, fortunately, for me anyway, I thought, well, if I got that much out of this one, let me read this one. And then something else, like the Vimalakirti, read through that one, one. Oh, now, duh, now I get it. And then I would re read like a different translation of the Lotus Sutra. And I'm, wow, this makes so much more sense to me now. How is that possible, right? It's all there. But we all need different little doors and hatches. Our minds all work uniquely. And for me, I had to see these other connections so that when I read the Lotus Sutra, I thought, now I understand how this sits on all of that. My questions, instead of something in the Lotus Sutra going, la, 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 and I would be like floating in space trying to make sense of it, now that la, 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 la was directly connected to that, 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 that. Uh, <clears throat> I get that. That's confidence. But now... Now I know what I'm saying, what I'm doing. Now, all of us come to this sensibility and sensation differently, right? So I encourage you, if something just sounds a little Tweety Bird-ish, or it just sounds like, I think I get that, but I don't know what it means, um, don't be okay with that. Don't rest with those question marks. Get them answered. Either by conversation, by... That's what this resource is for. In my attempt to provide you as many tools, you know, go look on threefoldlotus.com. Look at the page of different questions and look at what I've assembled for documents there just to help you go, oh, Oh, and get your own insights, right? I'm not telling you what to think. I'm providing you research that I've gone through in the hopes that you get something from it, right? It's not important that you get the same insight I did because my insight is for me to understand. You need your own insights because that's your 
discovery of your innate Buddha that you need to unearth, yeah? So use threefoldlotus.com, use these videos, use the podcast, use the books, not because they have all the answers, but because they have all the questions. You're going to find your own answers, right? Anyway. I, I, it's a stupid thing to say, but I do well up with pride knowing how, how much effort you guys are putting in. Because I appreciate it. I know how much effort I put in, right? So I know if you're here, if you're listening, if you're looking at information, if you're looking for it at all, you guys are awesome. Please keep doing that. You will answer your own enlightenment. It's the only way to reach it. There's nobody offering it to you. You have to do the work. The, the wonderful thing about that is you get all the reward. <laughs> right? Satisfies our selfishness. <laughs> Be selfish. Go for Buddha. <laughs> all right. So we're still in parable, and uh, we're still uh, speaking in gathas. We're taking a little shift here, which is why I paused last time. So here we go, right back into it. I tell you, Shariputra, you men are all my children. Obviously not a literal statement. What he's talking about is as Buddha that we're all born, we're all existing, we're all experiencing via this fundamental Buddha nature. For kalpa upon kalpa, you have been scorched by multitudinous woes, and I have liberated you all. So he's indicating there that there's a mechanism in ourselves without Buddhism where our knowing self has rescued our butts more than once. But we don't identify it. We don't respect it. We don't stay in it. Right? How many times, you can call it your little inner voice. You know, how many times have you heard someone say, I knew that was going to happen. Really? Then why'd you do it? Hmm. That's always the rub, isn't it? So it's not like we don't know our Buddha nature. We just don't dedicate ourselves to staying in it. It's kind of a, that's, that should annoy the crap out of you. Right? So, I'm just going to leave that little seed in there and we'll go on. Causing you to leave the three spheres. When you let that rule, when you let that aha moment and go, I'm going to listen to that, that's when you detach from whatever is driving you to do the wrong thing. Although earlier I said that you would pass into extinction, this was to be a mere end to birth and death. The cycle. You're not going to die. You're just going to leave the craving and clinging mechanism of that aside. Because in birth and death, there is no life. We're focusing on life the coming about and the extinction of is irrelevant. Be 
in life. This was to be a mere end to birth and death and no true extinction. Because moment to moment, being has no birth or death. Has no extinction because it never became. It's always been. The only thing that's different now as a human is that you have a mind to see it, to witness it. So pay attention. It's only going to be here for a few micro moments of time. Mm. What you should now achieve is nothing other than Buddha wisdom. What do we mean by Buddha wisdom? Right? Watch the experience. Learn the, participate, absorb the experience. That's the only reason we're here. If you're not paying attention to the experience, you're wasting your time. Because to do otherwise is to be caught up in the craving and clinging and the stress and the anxiety. Which is the whole reason we're practicing Buddhism. If there are bodhisattvas in the midst of this multitude, he says, they can listen single-mindedly to the Buddha's Real Dharma, which is what we're trying to do. When we're witnessing the engine of life, we are single-mindedly listening to the Buddha's real Dharma, the real experience of life. That's it. Even though the Buddha's, the world-honored ones, resort to expedient devices... The living beings whom they convert are all bodhisattvas because all of us were here for this specific purpose. We're just not paying attention. Like Gurdjieff would say, we're all sleepy, sleepwalking through life, plummeting through it, just waiting for things to hit us so that we react to st stuff. We're completely devoid of witnessing because they're so busy dodging and, <laughs> and clinging and ah, that's not living. If there are persons of slight understanding, profoundly addicted to lust and desire, and I'm not just talking about sex here, lust for, for Camaros, right? Desire for uh, uh, tiramisu, uh, beautiful flesh, whatever it is, trees, mountain streams, whatever your addiction is, you can experience all of that without that addiction, without that lust and desire. Just be with it. Deep breath. For their sakes, I preach the truth of suffering. Right? The truth of suffering and the Beings rejoice at heart that they have gained something they never had before. Because people who are in the midst of the lusts and desires for all these things, they don't understand that it's suffering that they're experiencing, right? They have the delusion that what makes them happy is more of this, more of that. 
Give me that drug. Give me that food. Give me a faster car. Give me more money. But they're never happy. They just endlessly chase after it, thinking they'll get there. That's the delusion. Follow? The Buddha's preaching of the truth of suffering is reality without falsehood. If there are beings who, not knowing the origin of woe, are profoundly addicted to the causes of woe, what creates this stress and anxiety and right, the analysis, the analyzers among us, yeah? Unable to cast them off even for a moment, why could you? Isn't that the conundrum? You spend so much time ana analyzing the problem that the problem is all you experience. <laughs> For their sakes, by resort to an expedient device, I preach the path that the origin of all woes is desire, which is their basis. Oh, well, how do I stop doing that? If that's the basis of all my suffering, my lust and desire, then how do I quit it? <laughs> if one extinguishes desire, they have nothing on which to rest. Right? If you stop your craving, then what is there to cause you suffering? But am I not dead then? Ah, well, you need to do more study, yeah? The extinction of woes is called the third truth. For the sake of the truth of extinction, one cultivates the path. You see, the path isn't a little road in the woods. The path is a way of being aware. The path is in the mind. The path is how you inculcate information and apply it to your experience. And if it's happening moment to moment, then all you can do is pay attention to the path, which is pure. As soon as you get dragged into the past or mentating into the future, you're deluded. You're not in it. For the sake of the truth of extinction, one cultivates the path. Separation from the bonds of woe is called the attainment of deliverance or liberation. You know? As for these ignorant men, whereby do they attain deliverance? It is the mere separation of self from falsehood. That is called deliverance. In fact, however, they have not yet attained total deliverance. The Buddha says that these men are not yet truly extinguished. Not extinguished as in dead, extinguished as in no longer clinging and craving. For these men have not yet attained the unexcelled path. Until you learn to attach yourself, if you will, to Buddhahood, which is an unattached state, but to live in that course, in that mindset, you're going hither and yonder. 
That is the unexcelled path, yeah? At heart, I have no wish to cause them to attain passage into extinction. I am the Dharma king. With respect to the Dharma, acting completely at will, to bring the gift of tranquility to the beings is what I have appeared in the world, is why I have appeared in the world. You, Shariputra, as for this Dharma seal of mine, I wish to benefit the world, and therefore I preach it. Wherever you go, do not propagate it recklessly. That's a big one. Don't propagate it recklessly. Don't be careless about it. Understand, this is profound. In other words, to those who are ready to accept it, read it, recite it, right? All of that over again. Absolutely share it with them. But to those who are not ready, you must adopt other expedient means. Raise people to the possibility that they can accept this teaching. If there is a listener who with due rejoicing receives it upon the crown of his head, you are to know that that man is an avivartika, or not to be turned back. If somebody's ready, you it is your responsibility to teach them namo myorengekyo. If there is one who believes and accepts this scripture dharma, this teaching, that man has already, in times gone by, seen Buddhas of the past. Do you already know? That's what I started talking about at the beginning of this talk, yeah? You already know. You just don't know what it is that you know. Deferentially made offerings to them and also heard this dharma. Just aren't aware. If among men there's, there is one who can believe what you preach as you assist them, then it means that he sees me, she sees me, and also sees you, right? Because they'll appreciate your effort to assist them. They won't rebuke you because they're not ready. And the Bhikshusamga, the company of monks, as well as the Bodhisattvas. This scripture of the Dharma Blossom, this Myoho Renge Kyo, that's what that says, this Myoho Renge Kyo, is preached for those of profound knowledge. In other words, again, what I started this talk with, they have a basis of learning for which this lotus teaching puts the crown on it, if you will, brings it all together. So anybody who tells you not to read anything else but the Lotus Sutra, you better have one eye arched and the other one closed, right? What? Never trust somebody who tries to limit you. You are a limitless being. Those of shallow perception, if they hear it, 
shall go astray and they won't understand. You'll either frighten them or you'll give them ammunition to, to uh, defame, or right? It can be frightening to think that you're responsible for everything that you are suffering in life. Ouch, don't tell me that. Who are you? You sound like my mother, <laughs> right? They don't understand the answer is within. They're actually fighting it. You don't want to be part of that energy, right? For all voice hearers, those of us who are studiers, right? Shravakas. And Pratyakabuddhas, those of us who just want to go off in a, and isolate ourselves and, and learn and stuff. Those may be periods in your life where you, you need to do that. That's you. But that's not where you need stay. That's also an attachment and something, an obstacle, yeah? The content of the scripture is beyond the reach of their faculties. See, those are people, right? He said it all along, Ichantikas. They're so enamored with the words and the learning or the, or the instantiation and the realizations that they forget that the goal is Buddhahood. They forget that the complete and perfect enlightenment is via combination with others, not isolation from others. You, Shariputra, even you, where this scripture is concerned, gained entry through resolve. Right? Your resolve is what kept you going. Even though you didn't understand everything, even though you weren't sure about everything, it was your resolve that said, it's, I got to keep digging. It's here somewhere. How much the more so the other voice hearers? Those other voice hearers, by virtue of their belief in the Buddha's words, their commitment, in other words, accept this scripture. It does not fall within the range of their own knowledge. Also, Shariputra, to the proud, arrogant, lazy, and indolent, to those who reckon in terms of I, I am this, I know that, do not preach the scripture. Wow, that's quite an admonition. To the ordinary fellow of shallow perception, profoundly addicted to the five desires, the skandhas, hearing yet unable to understand, also do not preach. If a man not believing maligns this scripture, then he cuts off all worldly Buddha seeds. He's scorching, she's scorching her own ability for insight, for renge. They've cut it off. They'll never go there, those, those wackos, right? Or again, he may be... Uh, may, with a contorted face, harbor doubts and uncertainties, you are now to hear me tell of that man's retribution for these errors. Whether the Buddha be in the world or whether it be after his passage into extinction, there shall be those who malign such scriptures as this one 
and who, seeing that there are readers and reciters, copiers and keepers of this scripture, shall in disparagement, depreciation, hatred, envy of them, harbor grudges against them. The retribution for these, or the retribution, I don't like that word, you know, I like repercussions, right? Because everything has a repercussion. Everything has, when you strike something, it makes a sound, yeah? When you influence karma, the karma reacts. It's energy. So retribution sounds like you're getting punished. It's not about that. That's not what Buddhism is talking about. So I prefer the word uh, repercussion, right? The repercussion for these men's errors, you are now to hear. These men at life's end shall enter the Avicii hell. What life's end? Birth, death, birth, death, birth, death, birth, death. In each moment, they will experience the Avicii hell. Now, I've described the Avicii hell in the first Buddhism reference book as this world of ignorance, this world of suffering that we experience not knowing our Buddha nature. Because all we're doing is craving and clinging all the time. And that precipitates all of our suffering. Our mental agonies, right? That's the Avicii hell. Where they shall fulfill one kalpa. It'll feel like forever. God, when will this life end? Yeah? When the kalpa is ended, they shall be reborn there. In other words, the outlook isn't real good, right? There's no reincarnation. But the idea of something that's taking so long is that in the next moment and the next moment and the next moment, you're going to find yourself in that same place. Cycle of birth and death, literally. In this way, spinning around throughout kalpas unnumbered and then from hell emerging, they shall fall into the rank of beasts. The longer you're put down, the longer you're keeping yourself in suffering, the more your thoughts, your tendencies, your conditions turn into animalistic, hungry ghosts, right? Um, look at socioeconomic conditions across the planet. Look at what downtrodden areas, and everything's a scale, Right? The wealthy, the elite, the middle, the lower middle, the, the poverty, the impoverished. Where is the crime? The high? Well, it depends on what you call crime, too. I would say what the Koch brothers do is an, a high crime, right? But they f hardly ever face consequences publicly. I don't know what their mind is like, though. Must be a disease-ridden place. Hmm? They shall fall into the rank of beasts. If there are dogs or yegan, their forms shall be hairless and emaciated, spotted and scabbed, things from which men shrink. They shall, all, they shall also by men be detested and despised. Why not? Ever suffering from hunger and thirst. Ah, yes, the world of hunger. Mm. Their flesh and bones dried out and decayed. While living, they are pricked by poisonous thistles, 
When dead, they are covered with tiles and stones. It is because they have cut off the Buddha seed that they suffer these, re these repercussions for their errors. If they become camels, you understand these are stories, exemplars to make people think about how we live mentally as human beings, but sometimes take on the characteristics of these oppressive thoughts. You've had them, right? Or if they're born among asses, met a few of those in my life, <laughs> been one of those in my life, <laughs> on their bodies they shall ever carry heavy loads. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? The burden. Hmm? And suffer the blows of rods and whips, thinking only of water and grass and knowing nothing else. For maligning this scripture, they shall suffer punishments such as these. Punishments? No, repercussions. In other words, they cause themselves harm because they're turning away their opportunity for enlightenment. It's so simple. Don't get caught up in the storytelling. Understand the meaning. If they are those who become Yigen, you know, that creature, they shall enter human settlements, their bodies spotted in scabs, also missing one eye by the children's beaten suffering all manner of woe and pain, at times to the point of death. What does it take for somebody who's determined to rail against Myoho Rengekyo to give it an opportunity, at least try? Some people are very, very stubborn, right? So that's what he's illustrating. It's also a clever way to caution you and I from slacking off, because he did mention lazy, right? Having died in this form, they shall then be endowed with the bodies of monster serpents, their forms long and huge to the extent of 500 Johannas, deaf, stupid, legless, writhing about on their bellies by little insects pecked at and eaten, day and night suffering woe, and enjoying no respite. Yuck. Pretty shitty visual, isn't it? <laughs> For maligning this scripture, don't do it, <laughs> they shall suffer these repercussions such as these, right? If they contrive to become humans, if they somehow try to lift their mind out of this mindset, they shall be obscure and dull of faculties. They're going to have to work hard to rid themselves of the repercussions that they made. Short, mean, bent over, crippled, blind, deaf, and hunched. If they have anything to say, men shall neither believe it or accept it. The breath of their mouths ever stinking, they shall be possessed by ghosts, poor and lowly, doing men's bidding, much plagued by headaches and emaciation, having nothing on which to rely. 
put yourself in a really, really bad spot. It just means they're going to have to make much greater effort to start to undo these obstacles that they themselves created. Though they may personally attach themselves to men, men do not have them in their thoughts. If they gain something, shortly afterwards, they'll leave it behind. If they practice the way of medicine, tending disease in accord with prescription, they shall but aggravate the illness of others, at times bringing them even to the point of death, not by meaning so, but just because of their life condition. If they themselves have diseases, no man shall be able to rescue them. Even if they take good medicine, the sickness shall be all the more acute. Boy, I think the message is clear here. Before you start railing against and uh, this myoho rengekyo, or those who are attempting to practice it, think twice, think thrice, think again. You don't need to create this much of a storm over your life. This is not wise. Others may attack them, snatching, pillaging, stealing, or robbing. Such are the errors into whose misfortune they shall fall by their own willful acts. Errors, error makers such as these, it says sinners, but... That's not the right term here. Error makers such as these shall never see the Buddha. The king of many saints, sages, preaching the Dharma, teaching and converting error makers such as these shall ever be born in places of trouble. Mad, deaf, and confused of thought, they shall never hear the Dharma. For Kalpas, as numberless as Ganges sands, whenever born, they shall be deaf and dumb, or defective faculties, of defective faculties, ever dwelling in hell, the Avicii hell, as if amusing themselves in the pleasure garden or being in other evil paths, you know, evil being obstacled paths, as if they're in their own homes, camels, asses, pigs, and dogs, these shall be their companions. For maligning this scripture, this myoho renge kyo, they shall suffer repercussions such as these. If they contrive to become human beings, they shall be deaf, blind, dumb, poor, destitute, general, decrepit, yet adorning themselves with all. Swollen with water or dried out by wizened, scabs, boils, and ills like these, they shall have for their dress their bodies a constant stench, filthy and unclean, profoundly addicted to the view of I. Me, 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 me. They shall magnify their anger. Remember, anger in the context of Japanese Buddhism or even Chinese is not about furious rage. It's about manipulative, backstabbing, right? It's, it's an anger born of maligning others. Their lust being acute, there shall be nothing to choose between them and birds or beasts for maligning this scripture. 
they shall suffer repercussions such as these. And we're going to take a pause there. I say to you, Shariputra, of those who malign this scripture, that if they were to tell their repercussions, even if I should exhaust a kalpa, I should not finish them. Right? So he's going to move on from there now. So understand, he's saying all of this as a profound caution. Nobody maligns anything more than somebody who's tried and failed. Hmm? People who are ignorant of something, they malign something, and it's not a good thing. But people who try it, and then for some reason, they meet the wrong person, somebody says the wrong thing, their ego, their arrogance, right? That's what he's saying. Their me, me, me says, oh, yeah, well, you. And then they make the mistake of putting all of that on the Myoho the teaching, rather than the difficulty they're having with the individual, because the individual is everything for them. And now they make really bad causes, right? Because they direct their, their fury at everything, not just the person. But remember, too, and I, I want to end on this. This sounds really like hellfire, doesn't it? But remember, too, that Shakyamuni has just finished telling the Ichantikas, the Stravakas and Prachyakabuddhas, who he's told for four years, you guys will never attain enlightenment. You've scorched the seeds. You're too arrogant. You'll never get there. You don't, you don't even know to know, right? Putting them down, putting them down, putting them down. And now, in the beginning of the Lotus Sutra teaching, the Myoho Renge Kyo, he says, you, if you get out of your arrogance, and dedicate yourself to bodhisattva practice, to open your mind to the entirety of the cosmos, moment to moment to moment. This teaching, this Myoho Renge Kyo, yeah, there's nothing to stop you from attaining full, complete enlightenment. Nothing at all. Right? He says this over and over again. So I expect we're not done with this yet. That even those people who he's just ugh, decimated, right? Because of their own willful acts. He said that explicitly. They can change it. It may not be easy. But they're going to have to destroy a lot of sandcastles in their minds to finally, oh, but that might happen quickly. We don't know. Unless you've been there, tell me about it. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thank you most of all for your continued practice. And whatever you can do to support this resource, to keep it going, Liking and subscribing takes a few seconds. Very meaningful to helping us reach more people. Propagation. It's a bodhisattva effort, yeah? But also, if you can find use in the e-books or print books or mandala, certainly. 
the podcasts are free. These videos are free. There's lots of free uh, info on threefoldrose.com. Please avail yourself to that to keep your practice strong. Ask questions. Patrons, yeah. What's more bodhisattva than just supporting this effort with your donations? I, I can keep this going and growing. Still working on the second volume of Buddhism Reference. So far, it's well over 300 pages. So, um, yeah, I'm putting a lot into that one that's a little bit more the breadth of Buddhism beyond just Nietzsche. Well, beyond Nietzsche. Nietzsche talks about everything. Right? So actually, I'm doing my best to capture all of the little, right, the little spindrels that Nietzsche spun out in his doctrine that help to support this ultimate teaching. I want to capture as much of that as I can because it's not light reading, but every little, every little term helps the foundation the strength of the foundation on the treasure tower we're building right now, right? So congratulations for working on that treasure tower. Every time you chant the Daimoku, you are putting another jewel in that treasure tower. I, whatever visual you need to make that real for yourself, yeah? Namo Myorengekyo. Thanks again. Take care of your health. That's a jewel you need to keep around. Keep your practice strong, and I'll see you in the next one. Okay? Bye for now. You can run, but you can't hide.